Hi there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. there. Today I am here with my friend Amy Malcolm. Amy is originally from Ohio and we met about 10 years ago when we worked together at a hospital in Colorado. Professionally, Amy has a super interesting um, career background. She is a registered dietitian, a licensed clinical social worker, and a registered nurse. Um, And all that could be a show in itself. But today we talk about some of her other interests and passions, um, including dog fostering, entertaining, and some other creative projects. We begin our conversation today discussing her current foster dog, Athena. It's a bit of a story. Uh, the short version is I'm a, a longtime self-described hashtag not a dog person who ended up adopting an eight-year-old overweight yellow lab from the Table Mountain Animal Shelter in November of 2009. Um, shortly thereafter, I felt like it was a terrible mistake. And um, suddenly I was really worried about not being able to join the Peace Corps uh, or do all these other like things that I don't know what I thought I was going to do at age almost 40 with a new house. But um, she ended up becoming my sole dog. And she certainly made me a dog person. And in her, her name was Maddie. Madison was her name when I adopted her. I called her Maddie. So in her memory and honor, I um, became involved with Safe Harbor Lab Rescue and I foster senior labs, um, sometimes hospice labs, sometimes medical fosters, uh, but for sure the older labs to be adopted out. So, uh, March of 2019, I had just come off of a couple years of a travel job and hadn't been able to have a dog in my life. And so I started fostering again. Athena was my third foster. She just opened her eyes when she heard her name. She's snoring. She's snoring if you can't hear. I call it the soundtrack of my life. Um, that heavy breathing snoring. If She probably needs CPAP, but I may need CPAP too. It's just nobody that tells me that I snore. Uh, anyway, uh, so March 2019, I picked her up from uh, Alameda East a veterinary hospital, which is where all the safe harbor labs are vetted and brought her home. And I do you want me to tell the story of her adoption. Yes. Very briefly. Um, so I really was not interested in adopting a dog. Um, Athena again was 13. Her previous person's living situation changed, which is why she was surrendered. She had been with me a week when a family and their dog drove down from Brighton to meet her. So I had all her adoption paperwork, her safe harbor lab, bandana, et cetera, ready for her to get adopted and for me to take the family photo. I didn't, I wasn't as dialed in as I am now about how to introduce a dog to people and or their dogs, but I had them come into my house with their dog and Athena um, immediately um, I, I was sitting in a chair in my, I live in a little less than thousand square foot bungalow. So my rooms are small and was sitting in my chair in my living room and she was sitting near me and there, they had lost a dog and they had a younger dog that really, they felt needed a, a companion. So their dog, um, kind of came over to sniff Athena and I saw 
her kind of start to bear one of her teeth, which so I, mean, not I don't know. Yeah, not her temperament. So anyway, I suggested that maybe everyone should move outside, put everyone outside. I stayed inside. I was doing something in the kitchen and within a minute, Athena had let herself back in the dog door and put herself between me and the kitchen cabinet. And I was just glaring at her and, you know, kind of under my breath saying, you need to get back out there and meet your family. <laughs> and, um, I put her outside, I closed the dog door and several minutes later, everyone came back inside. And, um, the couple that was interested in her said, you know, we don't really feel like this is a good fit. Um, she basically stayed at the back door the whole time and stared at it to come in. So reluctantly, I adopted a 13-year-old dog um, who people used to say this about Maddie. They de she definitely has a different personality, but in many ways is a potted plant with fur. She just enjoys, um, She's a I don't want to say the W word because she likes a short W. Um, she likes snacks, T-R-E-A-T-S. When I uh, came over, she was, Amy was pulling out a slow cooker of home cooked <laughs> meals that she makes for her every night. This particular dish, I think, had chicken, mm -hmm. carrots, some kind of yummy broth, maybe some kind of grain. It's so much less expensive than, um, I guess, I don't know if we can use brand names, but <laughs> some sure. of the, some of the like, you know, fresh pet, if you will, foods <laughs> wait, that wait. are out there. Um, much less expensive. And I just put a little on her kibble and in the morning she also gets an egg. Um, <laughs> luckiest dog ever. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's Athena. So she, she's, she's 14, she's 14-ish. I, she won't be with me forever, but, um, hopefully I'm making her last year's, uh, easy. Yes. Well, and I just was kind of laughing because Amy was going back and forth about cooking me dinner. She's one of the most hospitable people I know. And I'm going to have her talk a little bit more about that. But then we had decided to just order takeout and I saw her pulling out this thing of crock pot and was like, Oh, okay, well we can have that. That's how good it looked. So if she does that for her dog, imagine how she treats other people. And as we're sitting here, I'm looking in her, her, I've been in her home several times for different gatherings. And I wonder, Amy, would you just share because I think that's one of the most special things about you. You're always hosting, opening your home. Can you tell me maybe some things that you've done? I know maybe it's, it, you know, and toot your own horn a little bit about you, you, some of the things you've hosted and some of your traditions. Uh, okay. Well, I live in a 1908 uh, bungalow in Northwest Denver and I do think one of the reasons God or the universe or whatever you want to say gave me this space is to uh, bring people together around a table and, and build community. So probably one of my favorite things, I, I really, I, I haven't done it as much in recent years. I had a job for a couple of years where I traveled 50 to 70% of the time. And um so I haven't maybe entertained as much as I used to, but I used to, I sometimes had people over for dinner three times a week. Um, and I don't, it's never anything necessarily really fancy, but I really love bringing people together around a table. I love holidays. So two of my favorite holidays here, and I, I did a kitchen remodel in 2013. And this must've been Christmas, 2012. I had 14 people over 
for a um, Christmas dinner. And my old kitchen was uh, General Electric metal GE cabinets. And I had a, a robin egg blue Formica countertop with gold specs and no dishwasher. And I dropped my mom off uh, to fly home to Ohio the morning of the 26th. And I came home and I put on some Playtex gloves and I put the dining room table up and I put the plastic uh, tablecloth that goes under the real tablecloth down, divided the dishes and I poured myself a glass of wine, put on some music and I washed dishes for three hours. And that was the, the holiday that I decided I needed a, a new kitchen. Also, my mom that holiday um, suggested that in lieu of a kitchen remodel, I just get a portable dishwasher on wheels, which I'm not even sure they make these anymore, but she wanted me to keep it in the corner of the kitchen, you know, as like an extra counter and then wheel it up to my sink and hook it up to my sink. Oh. And I said, mom, and I hope I don't offend anyone, but I was like, that is a step away from doilies on the furniture and a lot of cats for a 40 plus year old woman who's single to have a dishwasher on wheels. Anyway, that's when I got the new kitchen. Um, another great memory is a Thanksgiving where I, I, I honestly live in, I think the MLS lists my house is 795 square feet, but I had at least nine or 10 people and I did a, a table down the length of my house. Luckily in Denver, the, the weather is good and um, people could be on the porches for appetizers. But um, that was a great Thanksgiving. I, I had a ripped out from a, an old organic style magazine, which I think it's organic style is not in existence anymore, but um, a blessing from each of the faith traditions. Oh, cool. And so I passed that around and each person read a blessing from each oh, faith tradition. That. Yeah. And then my, one of my really favorite things, um, there used, there's still a table, uh, a show on NPR, American public media, actually, I think. And then NPR runs it called Splendid Table. It used to be hosted by this woman named Lynn Rosetta Casper, who retired a couple years ago. And I was trying to explain it to Michelle. It's it's sort of like car talk for food slash it, it's it's food network, but on the radio before there was food network. And I when I lived in Cincinnati, I used to listen to it every Sunday afternoon. And my I really got dialed in. On Thanksgiving morning, they do a show called Turkey Confidential, where people call in kind of like car talk with all their, hey, you know, what happens if I accidentally put in mayonnaise instead of sour cream or whatever, and then they try to fix it. But I'll never forget this young woman called in. She lived in a efficiency apartment in San Francisco and she was hosting Thanksgiving. It was a potluck, but she was doing the heavy lifting on the main dishes and all she had was an efficiency oven and a chiminea in her little courtyard. Wow. And Lynn Rosetto Casper talked her through how to make Thanksgiving dinner oh in an gosh. efficiency kitchen with an efficiency oven. And it, I mean, she had her like, I think they put the turkey in the chiminea. I don't, I can't remember exactly, but I was hooked. So <laughs> fast forward, I think it was 2013. I was visiting friends in Cincinnati and my friend had a Splendid Table, How to Eat Weeknights cookbook that I just could not stop admiring. And so when I got back home, 
I had a package waiting for me and it was the splendid table, how to eat. She gave me how to eat weekends, which is the more complicated recipe. And so my friend, um, Chris Taylor, who's a a foodie and, and in terms of the kitchen is far more experienced than I am. We got together on a Sunday afternoon in July of 2014 and we made one of the splendid table recipes called Renaissance lasagna, which is a $50 lasagna. There's like seven kinds of meat. There's no mozzarella. It's, I mean, it's over the top. There's golden raisins in it and pine nuts. And oh my gosh, it's just yum. delish. Anyway, um, we made this lasagna and we invited girlfriends over and we called it Splendid Table. Yeah. And so fast forward six years, we are still hosting Splendid Table dinner parties. Chris has since gotten married and moved, but we, um, her husband is it, also Chris is involved as well now. And we're down to usually two a year when we alternate houses. We, um, we don't always make splendid table recipes, but sometimes we'll make a, a, a different theme. Um, like what were some of those themes? Um, well, one that I'm thinking about, we did one, it was a Thai uh, theme. We called it Thai went on. We did in spring of 2018, we did, um, a British one that was a uh, cheerio to Harry and Meg's right before their <laughs> wedding. We made everyone wear a hat. Um, oh we did one in January of 2016. I think it was, it was, if you've seen the movie big night, we made timpano, oh. which timpano means drum in Italian. And I had a coworker who had a timpano pan. Wow. And so you line the pan with dough and then it's layers of, I'm, uh, you know, spaghetti, cooked spaghetti, cooked meatballs, cooked sausage, cooked hard cooked eggs, sauce, mozzarella, the whole thing. Then you close it with the dough and bake it. And then when it's done, you turn it over and it looks like a drum and you slice it like a cake and serve it with sauce. So that wasn't necessarily our most gourmet, but we had 14 people at that one. We had a fire out back and we called it a splendid table big night. Aww. And then most recently, our Splendid Table 12, we did a tribute to Julia Child. And we oh, made uh, Bouffe Bourguignon, one of her uh, potato dishes, a grilled romaine, and then her signature chocolate almond cake. Oh, so yeah. Anyway, Splendid Table is a big deal on Wyandotte <laughs> Street. Well, and speaking of Wyandotte Street, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about Wyandotte Alley. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, Northwest Denver, we, I think the whole Northwest Denver Highlands, West Highlands, Potter Highlands, Sunnyside, Berkeley, et cetera. We all have alleys. Yeah. And, um, that's how a lot of people access their garages. Um, up until a couple years ago, we didn't have trash cans in my neighborhood. We had dumpsters in the oh, alley I didn't know that. and I happened to be, the location in the alley where two dumpsters were located right behind my back fence and people would drop, you know, lawn chairs, recliners, televisions, washing machines and not just, yeah, yeah, just (laughs) and and drop them in the alley. And I would get so frustrated. So I moved here in summer of 09, summer of 010 or summer of 2010 I decided I was going to try to fight back. Um, And so I started what I called the Wyandotte Alley Beautification Project. And so 
around these, you know, graffiti dumpsters, I would try to plant sunflowers are my favorite flower. I'd plant sunflowers. And I mean, I remember one year I had multiple sunflowers come up and between all this stuff that got dumped, there was one left. And of course, every time the dumpsters, the the trash people would come, they literally would pick up the dumpster and there's no telling if it didn't get dropped back down, it might kill a sunflower. But I, I don't know if I could find the picture, but it was like one year there was like one lone sunflower left and somebody had um, spray painted the the dumpster and the the sunflower got spray painted too. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, so a few years ago, we got our own trash cans and the dumpsters went away. And I decided, I don't even know, it's probably 12 to 15 feet long and four feet wide, yeah. uh, this little strip of, of alley, I decided I was going to try to grow things in the alley, like a garden. Um, and, and so I've had, I've always had sunflowers, um, also sunny side. So the sunflowers it like fits. our yeah. motto or I don't logo. It's, on our, it's on our logo. Um, but I've tried to grow basil and vegetables. And, uh, so in 2018, I think it was, it might've been 2017. Uh, I partnered with Denver urban gardens and built a raised alley garden bed back there and even put its own, I hooked it up to my sprinkler system and, um, yeah, it went, I mean, so, and I have a little sticker out there that says locally grown and, so, I mean, that last summer I grew squash, herbs, wow. tomatoes, uh, greens. People always ask me, do you worry about people taking stuff? And as far as I can tell, my biggest issue is squirrels. Sure. But if somebody needed a tomato or a squash or a pepper or some greens for their salad, I would welcome them helping themselves to the the Wyandotte Alley Garden. <laughs> and this year I'm actually partnering with, different neighbors who either don't have a lot of it's it's a south and west facing facing lot so or patch so like i have a neighbor that her backyard is just way too shady yeah so i've i have her putting in her order for what her order she wants planted (laughs) um i'm on our neighborhood sustainability committee and this woman anna who heads it up um we've already talked about why duplicate efforts? Like maybe she plants some things and I plant some sure. things. So anyway, yes, the Why and Dot Alley Beautification Project will be going into its eleventh year. Wow! Uh-huh, this summer. Wow. Well, and when you were talking about '09, it kind of reminded me of another thing that you took on, and I've heard you. I don't think I was, I was not your friend when you were, I didn't know you when you were doing it, but can you talk about No Spend 09 or what was it called? Uh, nothing new in 09. Nothing new in 09. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit uh, about that? Yeah. Uh, so again, this is like a complete pilfer from NPR, but it was sometime in 2008, I was driving around and listening to NPR and there was a couple talking about how they... I think their they their commitment was they didn't want to buy anything made in China. Okay. And so they spent this whole year not buying anything met in, built, made in China. And so it just sparked this, well, what could I do? And I was telling Michelle, I'm, I'm not a huge shopper, or at least I don't go to a mall. I don't yeah. shop for clothes. A, a friend of mine said to me once, it's interesting, like, I, I will withhold or, or not buy X 
Y, Z clothing wise for myself, but I spared no expense when it comes to my house. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I got this idea. What if I tried to go a year without buying anything new? Yeah. Minus food, toilet paper, cleaning yeah. supplies. And it was a remarkable year. Um, wow. I really didn't go to the mall much, but I didn't go to the mall once in a whole year. M- maybe to get a watch battery. Yeah. Um, I tracked the things that I bought that were new and it, and at this time, maybe I wouldn't even need to do it, but my iron died and I had to get an iron. Yeah. I was really running a lot back then and I did need new running shoes. Yeah. And then a friend of mine got married in Mexico of October of 09 and I did buy a bathing suit, which is hard to get a used bathing suit. But I did not buy one new piece of clothing. I could, I was allowed, I held a clothing swap that year. Cool. I, it was where I began to love consignment shops and thrift stores. Um, anytime I gave a gift, it was a no footprint gift. So it was either homemade and you can't really do this now, but I loved to make homemade CDs. I would bake people biscotti, which is the most amazing biscotti ever. Something I love. I would, uh, buy them an experience. Like if it was a wedding, I might buy an experience. Yeah. Um, or, uh, like massages maybe. Yeah. Or I, I maybe if it was a gift, like a wedding gift, it was maybe an original piece of art. Yeah. Something that supported someone local. Yeah. But, um, it really changed me and my thoughts on spending and gifts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, there was, a, and again, not that I was a huge shopper, but I, I do think there was a huge shift in me as a result of that year. Sure. Anything you can think of that like now carries over still? Um, well, I think I was telling you about the TJ Maxx drive-by. Like yeah. I used to just, if I would pass a TJ Maxx, I'd be like, well, let me just swing by and see what they have. And Um, I was actually at Target last Sunday and my favorite color is orange and they had this obviously not high end and it may have even been in the junior section kind of coral coat. Yeah. Like fuzzy that was on sale for $19.99 and I had it in my hands in the checkout. Yeah. And then I really looked at it. I'm like, do I need this? Right. You know, and it was only quote unquote 1999, but it's I like really thought about like, yeah, about price and more right. Like- and I put it back. And so I just, it's, um, I just think I'm more thoughtful and deliberate about what I bring into my life in terms of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we were talking a little bit about like, and you alluded to this a little bit, but it made you like a more thoughtful gift giver in some ways. Like you were telling me something about like a really unique gift you gave a friend that, for that was like sentiment sentiments of what other people had thought about her and turned that into the gift and like what how that was probably the best gift she ever had and it didn't have to be like cost a certain amount right. or right yeah and I can just say that I think I've gotten your biscottis a handful of times at least they are the best biscottis I think you could I I think you could be like famous for your biscotti Maybe you know you know do. what biscotti biscotti don't give you though what disability insurance. (laughs) If you guys don't have disability insurance, I really want to encourage you to think about what you would do for income if you can't work. 
So we should probably mm-hmm. explain that a little bit. So Amy and I got to know each other. We um, were both social workers working um, with blood cancer patients. And Amy had taught me a lot. It was my first real adult job, my first job after completing my master's and talked a lot about just the financial um, the financial impact of that level of cancer care. And so we did a lot of work with our patients around that. She also taught me, I just have to say, um, she is an amazing writer and had taught me quite a bit about how to chart in the medical record. (laughs) One of the funniest stories is one day we were doing something and she was reading a note and out loud was like complimenting this person's note writing and their punctuation. And and a few minutes later, she realized it was her own note. (laughs) So... (laughs) I just remember that because her writing is just has a distinct um, style to it. I don't know how else I could describe it, but it was just so funny that you picked it out as being such such good writing. And I think if I'm correct, did, wasn't that not the first time that you like comp- <laughs> complimented someone's writing piece? <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. Well, I've forgotten about the, <laughs> I've forgotten about commenting on what a good, uh, and it was the punctuation. The note, but I kind of remember now being like, as I was trying to teach Michelle as a student, I'm like, no, this is a good note. Yeah. Like, look how concise. And they've like really laid out the plan. And it's, you know, I just, I hate it when people use a period and they don't need to, or it's a complete sentence, but they capital it. You, you see these these signs by the elevator that says, in case of emergency, please use stairs. And every word is capitalized and there's no period. That's a sentence, people. You right. don't need to capitalize every word and use a period. Or maybe an exclamation point. Because if, just, if it's an emergency. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So Michelle was telling me this the other day when I was re- when we were rem- we were reminiscing about it, and I was telling her the story again. This this magazine, Organic Style. When I lived in Cincinnati before I moved to Denver, I would read this magazine cover to cover, and it. I think they were still publishing it shortly after I moved here, but I was reading it at night in my bed one night, and um, I, I mean, again, cover to cover. So I would read all the letters that people wrote in, and the the month before the issue before they would say you know the question for next month is this and then people would write in and so i the, the question must have been something like what's one of your hacks for you know reducing or reusing or is something around clothing i don't know but um i was reading it and this woman wrote in about how she had been shopping at a um thrift consignment uh, what is it? One of their older clothes, like the vintage vintage yes. store. And she found a vintage 1960s black cocktail dress that was super simple, spaghetti strap. Um, she found a, a shawl to go with it and some shoes and it was her go-to dress. She wore it to wedding. I mean, just, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, that is me. I bought a 1960s vintage black cocktail dress and shawl and I wear it too. And I've had it for years and I just couldn't believe it. And I think you may have thought like, this girl just sounds so great. Like she <laughs> yeah. just sounds like she's doing yeah. great things. I was like, sign me up. That, this is my people. <laughs> right. 
And I see at the end of the letter, it says Amy M. Denver, Colorado. And I'm looking at it. <laughs> And then I realized I actually had written into the magazine and it was, it was my letter. <laughs> well, just the fact that you took the time to then I totally write forgot. I think you like, it must have only come out like once a quarter. And I, it was like, you emailed the letter in. I completely forgot that I did it. And I was like, who is this Amy M. Denver, she Colorado? Great. She's awesome. I want to hang out with her. Me. It's, it's me. It's me. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, and one thing I will say about you, and probably that came through in the letter, is you are an amazing storyteller. You do a great job of telling humorous stories. You do such a great job of kind of sharing something that you're doing and like telling a why about it. And even some of the things, I mean, I love talking about food and I saw you post something about a soup you were making. You also work at a um, kind of a side gig at a local grocery store. Um, but you were kind of just saying what some of your family background had, how that impacted your, what you were thinking with food and recipes. And I don't know if you could share something like that or, I mean, maybe I know that's kind of broad, Gosh, but you're I just mean, such a good. If I, one of my favorite things, whenever I'm at a job interview or what, whenever I'm interviewing someone, and I'm actually going to ask you this right now, Okay. but one of the things I always love to ask people is if you weren't doing what you do, what would you want to do? Yeah. Um, and so I'll share what my answer ties into what you're asking, but I'm going to ask you money and health insurance and, you know, disability yeah, and all of that, stuff like that, you know, retirement. If you weren't doing what you do now, all other things aside, what would you be doing? I think mine would be something involving food for sure. I mean, I think maybe not so much, even just, I mean, I know these jobs are hard to come by, but like restaurant critic, <laughs> I mean, what a gig is that? We should review ramen star tonight. <laughs> we really should Yelp review. But I just, I find, I get super excited to try new places. I just like, I mean, and to have a career of that, I also think some, something in the nonprofit realm, some kind of nonprofit management or something could be really cool. You know, a food critic didn't work <laughs> out, but I could, I could really get down on that. What would yours be? Well, speaking of the, um, hospitality or that my dad died of uh, lung cancer in 1992. And I have always said, if I won the lottery, I am building a house where adults who need to travel for their medical care can live. Yeah. Not just cancer. Anything. Um, and we're going to call it Malcolm Manor in honor of, of Bill Malcolm. I would love a kajillion years ago. I stayed at a bed and breakfast in Charlottesville, Virginia, that was run by a couple that were probably no older than they're not older than 30. Yeah. They, I think they were graduates of, of UVA. Um, not that this matters, but the husband was a survivor of childhood osteosarcoma and only wow. had one leg. Oh and a mate got around on crutches and they had a, a happy hour every night with wine. And I mean, if I could somehow run a bed and breakfast and just welcome people into my space and have drink wine or a craft beer with them in the evening and make them my favorite breakfast and be the go-to person on 
Where's the best hike? Do you need to borrow my paddleboard? Here's the map of all the great bike trails to ride in Denver. And um, I'd love that. I'd say coffee shop too, but I think it's more like I'd really love a bed and breakfast. Uh, So that would sort of, that would be my dream. It's like, and and I know it, it seems like a dream and then you really get into hospitality and hiring people and you can't leave. But um, man, what I love to own a bed and breakfast. Well, it would take so many of the things you already do and mm-hmm. turn it into your job, which is the mm-hmm. goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, we were talking a little bit tonight, just like kind of we're boiling down some of like the, the main values that some of the things like I was, when she was telling me about, um, she was on her neighborhood sustainability committee. I was like, of course you are like all this stuff she was naming. And I wonder if there's just any other kind of story you could think to sort of sum up with those ideas, sustainability and community. I heard a podcast and I think it was tied. It was a splendid table podcast about a guy who I'll try to get it straight. He lived in Austin for a long time. And when he lived in Austin, he used to host these huge parties on Sunday afternoons, maybe not every week. And I mean, it was like the place to go, let win all day, amazing food. And the story, he was originally from New Orleans and he talked about how he had inherited his grandma's dining, his grandma's kitchen table, not her dining room table. And the kitchen table you know, all the grown-ups and whatever would sit at the dining room table. But when you really look back, the table to be at was the kids' table. For sure. And if any of you guys are from big families or whatever, I can remember even growing up in Thanksgiving, you know, the kids' table went from the oldest was 8 till the oldest was 12 to the oldest was 18 till the oldest is 40. Right. Um, you know, quote-unquote kids. So yeah. he ended up with his grandma's um, kitchen table and and eventually moved back to New Orleans. Yeah. And when he moved back to New Orleans, he started Monday Night Supper. Huh. Red beans and rice, Monday Night Supper at his grandma's kitchen table. So this is... Wow. And anyone was invited. You didn't have to RSVP. You didn't have to bring anything except maybe a kombucha or bottle of wine or craft brew that you wanted to drink. But... He actually didn't like people to bring things because he didn't want more to wash. It was, you know, grab a bowl, grab a spoon, red beans and rice. If more people came, it was easy to make, put on more rice. Sure. And he had this like standing Monday night red beans and rice dinner. And so I would love in 2020, I, when I lived in Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a town. It's such a great town. Um, a lot of people from Cincinnati stay in Cincinnati and I wasn't originally from there and living there as a single woman in my thirties, Sunday nights were really lonely for me. Um, I didn't have a a boyfriend. I didn't have a family. My friends were married with kids or even if they weren't married with kids, they were going to their parents' houses and having Sunday night dinners. And, um, anyway, I would like to bring back the Sunday night dinner. Oh. And I don't, I still can't. And that's one of the things I've been, I mean, it's already the end of February, 2020, but 
Um, it's one of the things I really want to figure out how I can do in 2020. I love that. Um, is yeah. And just not, not fancy. Um, come, come if you can, there might not be enough. My, my dad always told the story of, um, my grandparents were teachers and, um, they, relied a lot on their garden and, yeah. um, they, my grandma, they had five kids. My grandma, um, cooked every night. Wow. And, you know, sometimes she didn't have time to get dessert together. And so dessert might be chocolate frosting on a graham cracker. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, not Keebler fudge gramps. Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be, I think fancy. And I think that's where people get stuck is, my house in Cincinnati, it took me five years to get it done. And then I moved. Right. And luckily I had people over when the ladder was leaning against the wall in the dining room and there was painting tape on the floor, because if I hadn't done that and I had waited right. until my house was done to have people over, no one would have ever come over. Right. Anyway, that's, that is when you say like, what is, what are, what is something that I really I'm thinking about I can yeah. do this year to continue to foster community. I feel like I really want to bring back the Sunday night dinner. I love that. And I will say, I forget when it was. I think it's been a few years ago. I was at your house for dinner one night and I don't even remember how it came up, but you said, I was just saying how delicious everything was. And you said like, it's nothing fancy. It's just good ingredients, which of course is things we all intuitively know, but I have, that has stuck with me. And I think that sometimes when I've gotten, and I can get a little crazy with like recipe research and stuff like that, but it's kind of helped me to be like, well, actually it really doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, one, one of our splendid tables, we had David snap who heads the, he's a chef. Yeah. He's a professionally trained chef who heads the uh, food service at UC health at AM shoots. I know he and his wife from it's a long story, but, um, and you know, I think people, Oh gosh, Dave and Kate, I hope it's okay if I say this, but I don't, I think like sometimes people are intimidated maybe to have them over for dinner because mm -hmm. they think David is a chef. And I had them over one night and had beef stew that I made in the slow cooker. Delish. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and the, the point wasn't really what we ate. It right. was just, the, you know, getting together. Right. Right. And I think how many more people might be willing to host if the pressure was off a little bit. And cause really that's what you think about. It's not, I can't even remember what we ate in that story I was telling you, but it was delicious and we had a, an amazing time and got to mm -hmm. spend time together and mm -hmm. I want to come over Sunday <laughs> night. <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so much for just like letting me just talk about the things that I just enjoy so much about you. And you are truly one of the most like giving, caring, I think just knowing that you were taking care of that alley when other people were just trashing it <laughs> says it all, among other things. So I'm so glad to get to talk to you today. Thank you. I love it. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at michelle at enthusiasmdiaries.com. <laughs>